How long gone? Chris Black coming to you from New York City. Jason, uh, did you turn into a a po boy, or <laughs> how are you feeling after your weekend in New Orleans? I'm I'm a something boy. I don't know. I mean, I'm. It was an influencer trip, so I didn't lose any money, so I didn't get mo po. But in terms of brain cell uh, P and L, I, I did. <laughs> You're down. I do have some. I do have some memory loss. And some, uh, you know, calories gained. Sure. No, I mean, were you were you drinking in the streets? Were you were you following a marching band around, or were you just <laughs> indulging in the local delicacies, alligator bites, beignets, you know, <laughs> grenades? I, I don't, you know, there's so many things that that's famous. There's for. a lot. Damn, you sound so jealous of my trip down <laughs> in the Big Easy. Yeah, clearly I'm so jealous. Yeah, I'm really jealous. It's funny. Every everybody I talked to there who knew who I was and who you were. So all, all three people shout out to, uh, <laughs> Kyle over there at pond coffee. Mm. Nice guy. Um, shout out to Kyle. Great product. Yeah. He was, he was telling me about how you've been, uh, an inspiration uh, in the, so, in the sober King world. And Oh, good. Well, Carolyn was like, damn, I'm, I'm almost about to tear up hearing this. And I was like, yeah, you get used, you get used to it after a while, babe. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let me show you the good life. Yeah, we we did um we did all of that stuff. We did not do any. I did. We did a lot of drinking and a lot of eating. None of it was like walking around on the street with a with a open container style. Okay, so you you weren't going. But it was close. Okay, but but that that's funny that you that you didn't do that. But I guess I guess that maybe that's not no, not not you. You're more of a. There's no real need to because every every yeah. business is a bar or a restaurant. And it, it, it doesn't yeah, it, living in L.A. and New York, you hear about it's so hard to get liquor licenses. You have to enter a lottery and you could buy it off of another person for four hundred thousand dollars. They're really handing them out over there and down in Nolens. I got to say every fucking you name it. Every Starbucks is fucking doing <laughs> <laughs> mint julep. We can we can we can we can make that yeah we can make that uh, we can make that latte dirty if you want <laughs> just 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 let us know it's just a small upcharge. We'll throw let me some... get a fireball latte. <laughs> yeah, <what the laughs> fireball latte with oat for me, please. Um, <laughs> no, that's that's okay. So, did you eat anything spectacular, or was it all just nasty fried shit? Um, we did both. Wait, hold on. Let me respond to our guest. He just wrote back. Okay. Yeah, we um I ate mostly bad boy food because when you're there, it's like I don't want to try out like their best pizza spot in Nolens, you know, like we sure we want to yeah, get yeah. the the fried catfish, <laughs> the red beans and rice, yes, yes. the gumbo, the craw daddy, etouffee and all that stuff. And we did it all, man. We we did all of it and it was it was delicious. But it really kind of hurt my body. And I've I realized that you know the only real way to do it is to just power drink through it. Okay, so so you're you're damaging you're damaging your body so much with food that the only way to make your damaged body feel better is to also kind of dump alcohol on top of that food. Is that what you're saying? It helps you forget for a while. Okay, it helps you forget. So <laughs> overall, but if I if I lived there, it wouldn't be that big of an issue. But when you're only this is my first time and I'm there for first two of days. All, first of all, Chief, so you feel the need to soak it all in. Chill out. No one no one lives there. Okay, relax. That's not that's like, not true. It's that's like, not true. It's Jennifer like, Coolidge lives there. John Goodman famously lives there. Uh, who else we got? We what we walk by Brad Pitt and Angelina's old crib. It's kind of a dump. Um, <laughs> they unloaded the that list goes on. Ago. There's a lot of people. They did. They did. But 
I mean, it was on a it was on a piss stained alley. Living in New Orleans is like living in Vegas. Is the reality? It, it's depending a, on what part. There sure, are, of there course, are amazing, super cool neighborhoods and houses, really cute architecture, and you know, for the price of my single family shitty kind of. I mean, I guess I don't have a shitty house, but you know, a hundred year old, it's not a shitty regular house. ass, <laughs> regular ass house. Like we could sell our house right now and live in a dead ass mansion. Yeah, in a, in a good neighborhood there, it was crazy. Yeah, but I could also I could also get that in many other cities in the South that aren't soaked in alcohol and. Uh, but that shit boring, bro. No, I mean, I'm glad I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm I'm not surprised. That's definitely a place you would. It's it's just it's a place for someone like you. And that's mm-hmm. no shade. That's no shade. That, I'm just no, mean, none taken. I just mean someone who likes to indulge uh, for a couple days. There's nowhere better, probably. I mean, because because Vegas is Vegas, but this is has a little more charm, obviously. Much more charm. Heaps. Yeah, I think it's cool there. I think it's cool there. I just never want to go back. That's how I feel. About yeah, it. I got it. Yeah, the, the the joke, like I said, everyone was like, "Wow, Chris Black would just." I do not see any scenario where he would enjoy this place whatsoever. And I'm like, yeah. Well, I do remember though, that. That is correct. I, I do remember when I went. I did jog through a beautiful neighborhood, and I was like, "Damn, this is pretty fucking nice." But then that just feels like Savannah or Charleston to me a little bit. Like it's definitely different than that, but it feels similar, Mm -hmm. you know, like a Southern city with like a distinct look to it, but I'm glad you had a good time. How was the hotel? Hotel was great. Very spacious rooms. Stayed at the Maison de la Luz. So you were able to spread out, unpack your Remova and kind of hang your dress shirts for all those (laughs) kind of the five-star meals you were having. Unpack our Removas. Yeah. One of those things where like, we, I was still hungover from and, and like no sleep from the, the GQ party, which we will never mention again. Don't worry, guys. And then I was so I was I was doing like, I, you know, when you're like, I only have to pack for two days. This is so sick. I'm just going to, you know, I'll throw 10 things in there and I'll have so many options. Sure, sure, sure. I, I packed like four looks and I but I forgot pants. So I had like shirts and sweaters and two jacket options three pairs of shoes all the shit you didn't bring and i and i i literally i only had the pants that i wore on the on the airplane okay and it was fine it, it ended up being fine it was not a big deal but it was just like how did that happen at least you didn't wear shorts on the air, airplane which is a common them jeans kind of move and, and speaking of airplanes diamond medallion changed me i switched my flow up i, I want to say something i discovered today that i need to share with our with our listeners is that now there's a direct delta flight from LaGuardia to to LAX only on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. One one flight on Saturday morning. Just just kind of you know if you're if you're traveling that route, just think about it because this is going to avoid going to the cursed JFK airport, and it's the same distance. It does not offer Delta One first class only, but I think I'm going to manage. I'm very excited about this. Yeah, but the I mean, it sounds good on paper, but when I hear we do one flight. A, d- a week or one day a week it's because David Cho actually looked this up and shared it with us. There's all these weird rules about like distance you can fly and for some and like the slots you have or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And the only it's like a Wednesday night and like a Saturday are the only times where it's like ex- acceptable to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very interesting. I'm going to read more. I'm going to go check out the points <laughs> read, read a little more about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what I was going to say is yes, I I I I sort of understand why it's happening and the restrictions and everything. It's a lot of red tape. I don't want to uh, be bored by that. But to me, when I think you get this amazing sick ass flight, it's all perfect, and it only happens one day out of the week. I'll, all I'm hearing is cha ching. You know what I mean? No, no, it's it's 
cheaper or or the same price as the as the JFK flights. And it's I think because it's on the low low for now. How do you know? Well, because I shop for flights often, oh, okay. and I I compared the prices. Um, okay. and I I spoke to my Delta representative as well. Oh, um, thank God. No, it's so you know the Diamond Desk. They answer the phone. I also. I, I know you're still recovering from your trip, but I wanted to know if you were able to see um, Tate McRae on SNL. If you're familiar with Tate's work, I did. I did catch okay. uh, Big Tate's show. Yeah. Okay. I so I knew the name Tate McRae. It struck me as like an industry plant type of vibe, but apparently she's been beasting on YouTube and TikTok. Yeah. If if you look on her Spotify, she has uh, 50 million streams per month and Beyonce has 49. Which is insane because she's kind of a faceless, per- like no one knows who she is. Like getting SNL is, is obviously them trying to uh, appeal to a younger demographic which makes sense and I didn't even think she mm-hmm. she was clearly not singing which is fine most people don't sing um, mm-hmm. but it felt like a throwback and once again I, I feel like this could be a a I know she's like a dancer but I felt like the choreo was really serious there was like a dance <laughs> break you know what I mean yes on the bleachers like her humping the bleachers yeah um and I was just, this feels like the 90s. It felt like a different time. Well, I, I watched it last night with Carolyn, and we it was funny because she was mentioning this in real time while we're watching it. She's like, it seems like they're kind of, like I can't tell if she's a good dancer or not. Like she feels technically proficient, but she's not, it, it looks like she's like warming up. <laughs> like she's never fully doing a move, but she's doing a lot of things that are about to maybe set up for a little move. Like when you're watching a, a break dancing competition and you see the person popping and locking and shucking and jiving and you're like, let's let's get a head spin going, chief. We've uh, we've we rubbed we rubbed me long enough time to stick it in crazy legs, stuff like that. And then as soon as that happened, the the music goes boom and then she tosses yeah, the microphone yeah, yeah. to a, a down and then and she's like, oh, we're about to find out. And I watched it, and I was, and I basically what I thought was, she dances like Channing Tatum, in in a Step It Up movie, where it's just a bunch of things that are happening. But you're like, is this good? I mean, that's is this that's kind of how I, like I feel it? about all choreography in some women's runway collections. I just don't get it. You know what I mean? And if people say it's good, I believe them. If people say it's bad, I also believe them. It's just <laughs> it's out of my it's out of my purview. It's out of choreo my, is it's 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 a blind spot for you, famously. It's a blind spot for me, famously. But I was just <laughs> I was just like it felt like I was watching like a Christina Aguilera or Britney. You know what I mean? It felt like that kind of thing where it's like yeah. You know, scantily clad woman dancing hard, lip syncing. It just felt like a real throwback. Yeah, she kind of she kind of reminds me of if if a friend of the show Kesha took a different path. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. If she, if she never got off the roller coaster and kept on chugging and was like, yeah, I'll learn how to do these. <laughs> yeah, fuck it, I'm gonna learn <laughs> these Jessica Million style dance moves. Yeah, those are Chris, of the, Christina focusing Mi- on my career. Christina Million. Is a great, <laughs> is a great example, and you called her Jessica, which is disrespectful. But I know it was an accident. Sorry, but that's a that's a better example than Brittany and Christina. Christina Milian. That, that's a better example. But yeah, I, I was just. It felt like I was like I don't know. I just felt like it was such a strange choice. But obviously, like she's got eyeballs. That's the only reason you know anyone does anything. It's her time. Yeah, it's it's her. Yeah, it's her time. Do her. you remember what the song was? what it was about what it's called any words from it? i don't remember a single thing i remember i don't remember ble- a single thing. i remember the set i remember the bleachers 
Yeah, and I shout liked out that. to a friend of the show, cool. Imogen, for a little CD on that. Oh yeah, Imogen. Yeah, yeah, Imogen. Did, I like the bleachers. The sets were cool. The whole. I mean, I was just. It was just felt like something else. It just felt like I haven't witnessed something that live on television in a very long time. Yeah, when you I know, see that, um when when you see that actor guy, the the short actor guy that everyone is seeing photos of him and Jacob Blordy together, and they're talking about him. You know, mm -hmm. I feel like that guy should be named Tate McRae, not <laughs> not this girl who. <laughs> yeah, no, Tate McRae sounds <laughs> like it looks a... like she works at the uh, what's uh, at a smoothie. She runs a smoothie king like it's the Navy. You know what I mean? No, she looks like yeah, she looks like she's the district manager at Claire's, but <laughs> she she does she does the name is very like cma award winner oh. it's a very it's a it's an odd it's a very odd juxtaposition of name and look but god bless her so i'm i'm going i'm going irish and you're going country yeah yeah i'm <laughs> going country uh all right we have a guest today we're going to the <laughs> desert uh simon rex uh you guys know him um most recently from red rocket uh the excellent a24 film but he's been he was on mtv when we were growing up he was in all the scary movies um you name it avengers mm -hmm. of justice uh you know he jason knows him from partying dirt nasty jason knows him from partying i'm sure they both kind of uh you know shared mm -hmm. a ball of tequila with stevie Oki at some point in their lives yeah. um which is which is jason's kind of measure for success <laughs> and uh in infamous uh how long gone guest early days cam tang if those remember who were there beasting day one he cam is sort of their uh their dj or Simon's DJ back when they were doing all that and and he has set it up. So thanks to Cam for doing that. I can't wait to ask him how he feels about having to go toe to toe with a Lordy. You know what I mean? That's tough. And Simon That's is tough. in a new movie called The Sweet East, which is starring him and also uh, <laughs> yeah, all friends of the show. Jeremy O'Harris is in it. Uh, a, another newcomer, Jacob Elordi's in it. Or a veteran <laughs> star of stage and screen character actor Andy Lenakis is in it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's give him a jingle. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Say goodbye to swiping left on lackluster meals and swipe right for the one brand that will make your taste buds swoon. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef design recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, I like to chop myself, or quick microwave meals that are assembled in minutes, Home Chef has you and your entire family covered for delicious meals, witty options per week, and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. I'm keto now. Not only is it convenient, but it is also economical. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Mamma mia. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering my listeners... Our listeners, 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert faux life at homechef.com slash how long. That's homechef.com slash how long for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash how long must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. <laughs> how Long Gone is brought to you by Nutrafol. As you know, you know, hair thinning is quite complicated. Like your skin, hair is a reflection of your health. Uh-oh, and internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, 
and most importantly grows. Nutrafol's whole body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker, stronger hair. Go ahead, give it a tug. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth suppy with over 1 million people seeking thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with considerably less shedding. Thank God. Take the first step <laughs> to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code how long? All one word. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists and professional stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. I got Raph on the nut. <laughs> Dot com promo code how long. That's Nutrafol.com promo code how long. Did you modify the Subaru that you're podcasting from so it's louder? You take the pipe off or what or something? Or just you got any desert mods? I know I, I <laughs> want to do all that to my car. I just beat I when I bought this car is right when I bought my house in Joshua Tree, and I just said, I'm gonna run this car into the ground. And I've been I just mob it down this dirt road that I live down and I just fuck it up that I just hear it falling apart. It's like I'm I'm gonna run it to the ground. Okay, so I imagine this is not your first car and but this might be your is this like did you go through a phase where you had crazy cars and you were like, This is stupid, I'm gonna get something practical? A funny story about that. I had a when I was fully in my Hollywood LA pre dirt nasty years when I was like doing like scary movie and WB shows like Felicity and you know, Amanda Bynes show. I was, uh, and I just dropped those names for details. I, uh, <laughs> I was making a shit ton of money. It was like early two thousands and I bought a house in Laurel Canyon and I bought a convertible Porsche and I'm driving my Porsche hung over down Wilshire Boulevard. And I see myself in the reflection of like a bank. And I go, oh, my God, I'm that asshole douchebag actor hungover in a Porsche. I hate myself. <laughs> and I traded it in that day for an Audi. You traded in that day? <laughs> yeah, that day I saw myself. I'm like, I can't do it. I'm not a Porsche guy. I thought I was a Porsche guy. I'm not a Porsche guy. And I traded it in. I got a black four-door Audi sedan. And I was like, this is me. You know? That felt more like you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I did the douchebag car thing. How could you resist? Did you unload the house too? Eventually, yeah. A few years ago, I sold the house, but that was just because I, it was falling apart. But yeah, so I did the, uh, hey, I got money. I'm going to buy a nice car. And then I realized, oh, this is a nightmare because <laughs> everybody like sees that you have money, which is dumb. Uh, mine, But it was a good driving experience, like driving a stick shift Porsche <laughs> in LA, but you just look like a tool. There's no getting around it. So Anyway, now I'm in a Subaru. I look like a yoga mom now. <laughs> yeah, whenever I see friends or, or people I know who are like, yeah, we got the G-Wagon, I feel like it's so constricting. Like you, you can't go anywhere that doesn't have a valet. You can't drive to the hood. It's just like all eyes on you at all times in these trying times that's you know? exactly right and in la specifically people get followed home if you've got a rolex or a nice car you're just asking to get robbed so it's like why even floss mm -hmm. and i always thought that was corny anyway to floss unless maybe like i don't know it just always seemed obnoxious to me and i definitely learned that with the porsche it, it's just like yeah i don't know it just draws weird attention that i don't want mm -hmm. you don't need so what is the why did you go to the desert what called you to the land other than covid so yeah no so this was right before covid so i had done 20 it's like a prison i'd done 20 years in la county no i did 20 years living in la did and a bid I, I did a bid 
did a 20 year bid in LA and I just fucking hit the wall. I was like, I did everything. I did everything you could dream of in LA. I went to the Playboy Mansion. I fucking, you know, I did movies. I did TV shows. I fucking did all, you know, went out to the club. I did everything. I was like, I did it. I'm done. I don't want to live in LA anymore. And I don't want to leave too far away from LA that I can't be around if work calls or if, you know, I just have friends in life in LA. So I, I said, well, fuck, let me move a couple hours away into some nature. So I started like looking around and I've just fell in love with Joshua tree and it was quite affordable. And I got a nice piece of land with a little shipping container, off grid, solar, water, well, septic tank, fully off grid, <laughs> tiny house with no one around for miles. And I'm just alone in the desert and it's the weirdest shit ever. And I fucking love it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> a few questions. Is this not a little bit isolating or is that the, truly the point? It's the point. I couldn't take LA anymore. I couldn't stand people. I started finding, and I, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm just being honest, is that I found that my empathy meter was reached with the homeless epidemic because I no longer felt bad. I was truly worried about my safety living in venice and santa monica getting robbed all the time if i go for a jog in the morning i'd have to bring a knife with me because the zombies would be coming out up all night and i'm like i'm done i'm done with la and people and fucking actors and douchebag fucking djs like hams and uh <laughs> and uh i said i'm fucking done dude i'm done with all of it i don't care anymore i'm out and then i just moved to the desert and i was like let's see what happens out here i'm gonna fucking build a cool oasis in the desert, invite my friends. Nobody comes out. So I do spend most of my time alone. Um, and I just kind of trip out in the desert and I'm an only child. So I'm used to being alone. I love being alone. Most people can't be alone for five minutes. I thrive when I'm by myself. I, I love it, mm -hmm. but it enters this dangerous zone of becoming the guy who's alone in the desert for too long. You, I don't want to become that guy either. So I do, I, I'm in all honesty, I rent a, a guest house in Laurel Canyon and I dip in and out of LA when I go crazy. So you need to, you have to come tap back in with society from time to time. Yes. Yeah. That's what I, I mean, that's absolutely, that's assumed. I mean, you still have to participate in life a little bit career career wise yes you need an you need an excuse to get a beard trim cut your hair and stuff like that otherwise you'll have no real reason right well yeah and you know what it is it's like you know i don't know too many people out here so after a few days of isolation and and there's really like i can't order food to my house i have to cook every meal which is fine so when i come to la i'm like holy shit i could order thai food oh my god <laughs> and i just eat all the good food i see all my friends i do all the things and then as soon as i get annoyed in la I dip out to the desert, so it's a perfect balance, really. Beautiful. You yeah. figured it. What kind of water feet? Do you have a water feature at the house? We got a hot tub. We got a pool. A cold plunge. Cold plunge. One day a pool. If I ever cake out and make good, like a lot of money, I'll do a pool. Um, I uh, I have a water well, so everything's on a well. So I have a well that's 350 feet in the ground, and uh, I just have a little ice bath situation out there. So I go. I drive into town. I'm 20 minutes from the town in Joshua tree and I go buy bags of ice and I dump them in the ice bath and do the fucking my Wim Hof baby. <laughs> okay. I, what, what is, okay. That, that makes sense. I think that the pool, I mean, pools are expensive. I'm sure you yeah. had one before. It's a lot of, up, it's a lot of upkeep. Never had a pool, had a hot tub in Laurel Canyon. So that was my body of water. Oh, I, I, bet, I bet you did. Yeah, I did. Um, but you know, you can get out here. Like I'm going to do like, uh, it is expensive, but there's ways like my, one of my contractors I'm working with right now at my house, I've been just like learning how to build shit and I'm building an outdoor kitchen and all this shit. And you can get these like 
industrial size huge cylinders that people make into pools at these auctions so my boy has access to these auctions these industrial auctions and he's like check this out you can make a swimming pool out of this fucking like cement cylinder that's like you know 15 feet wide and you just put it in your land and you make a pool out of it and he's like you can get them for one dollar at the auction but that's rare and then you got to get it to your house it's like you got to fucking get it on a big semi truck and tow it out and right so whatever one day i'm gonna get a fucking pool whatever so how handy how handy are you and has this forced you to become more handy i'm starting to become handy and yes it's forced me to become handy i grew up in san francisco new york and la my whole life until four years ago i never had to do anything handyman i lived in the city i had you know, resources. Now that I'm out here, I want to learn how to do some man shit and build a fucking kitchen. And I just want to learn all that shit because I've never had to before. Mm. And I'm like, well, fuck, I want to build shit. I'm a guy. I'm a fucking idiot. Why not learn to build? <laughs> mm -hmm. Sure. You know? <laughs> sure. Sure. I mean, I, I feel like th it, it's it's going to force you to, if nothing else, you know, it, it, you don't really have much of a choice. What about what about the chef game? You're building a kitchen outside. You're forced to cook your meals. Have you, has this opened a, a new world of, of cooking for you? Thousand percent. I rarely would cook. You know, when you have at your fingertips, like I could just hit three buttons and have Thai food in my house. You're just, of course, you're going to do that. But I don't have that option here. So, yes, I've been learning to cook. My brother is a very, very good chef. He had a Michelin star by 30 years old. Then COVID hit. Really? Yeah, he got a Michelin star at a place called Twamec. Uh, and my, so I grew up, like, yeah. well, my family, we sure. love food. Like, everything's about food. So I'm learning to cook. My stepbrother, Alex, just opened a place called Breadhead in L.A., which is a top five restaurant in L.A. for sandwiches. So he's killing it. I learned from him. I've had it. That's the best the best BLT in LA, definitely, man. It's so you good. You had it? Yeah, the BLT is amazing. Dude, that's so dope. Yes, they're really good. Exactly. They're top sandwiches in LA. So my brother, being a really good chef, I get to learn from him. Sick. You know, uh, so yeah, man, I'm just I'm really out of my comfort zone out here. I'm so not a desert person. I'm so not a handyman. I'm so not a chef. But I am now. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Are there yeah. local townspeople that you have become friends with, or is everyone keeping to themselves? Yes, I've made a few local friends. The cool thing about it out here is that the people that moved here, like myself, are just kind of a little bit older. Not really. They just want to fuck off and be weirdos on their land. So you meet really interesting people, and and surprisingly, I've made some really cool friends out here. There's just not that many. And mm -hmm. to give you an example, like. I got a friend who lives 45 minutes away and that's kind of like a neighbor out here because everything's so <laughs> really? fast that, yeah, that it's like a dirt road. Like I just leave my place and I take a dirt road and then I make a left and then I drive like 30 minutes and I'm at my boys and it's kind of like a neighbor. Like it's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah, that, that is what, I mean, I imagine that it feels like how I describe Alaska, which is where everyone feels like they're a little bit on the run from something whether that be the law or their demons or their ex-wife or whatever it is you know what i mean <laughs> that's that's what i imagine it to be like that's accurate there's a lot of kind of it's lawless out here people you know it, it feels like the wild west i mean it's 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 different it's really different and you sort of get in joshua tree like full conservative trumper uh, evangelicals and then you have full hippie crystals meditation people because it's sort of like like i imagine austin 
Mm -hmm. or Portland or kind of these redneck hippie places, which I actually like that, to be honest. I like that broad difference and it not just be one thing. Definitely like a city guy who's from San Francisco. So obviously that's what, but like, I like being around these different people, you know? Sure. No, no, I get the... I get the craving because I'm from the South and I get the craving to tap back in with my culture as uh, you know, from time to time, which is, it's not quite as extreme as this, but it's extreme in its own way. Yeah, I get it. Look, I get it. I just did a movie in Charlotte and I was like, these people normally like you would just sort of be like, Oh, these Southern did it. I'm like, they're the best people. (laughs) My dad's from the South. My dad's from a trailer park in Georgia. I don't really have too much connection to my roots there, but every time I go to the South, I'm so over the moon of how cool everybody is and how real everybody is and it's like man we got more shit in common than we don't feel like Mm -hmm. i don't know we we just got we don't need to go into the whole like america's so separated conversation but like (laughs) it's just so weird everything's so fucking. what did did, when did you live in new york at what era i lived in new york 93 to 98 didn't mark ronson just do oh did yeah because you guys were mobbing out is that is that yeah he was okay so what were you guys what were you guys doing besides modeling of course we were go he was djing mark became like the fixture dj under stretch kind of like we watched stretch armstrong do his thing and he was the man and then mark kind of did the same thing mark became like the it new york dj you know Mm. and i would go with him the joke would be this is back in the record days this was like 90 i lived there 93 to 98 and this was obviously when new york was the fucking best um hip-hop was in its golden era it was pre-giuliani it was still fucking so wild and like lawless it still felt like the 80s your your life was the movie kids in a lot of (laughs) ways it kind of was it kind of was um yeah it really actually was i was just running around with like fucking degenerates and it was the best and mark was never a degenerate i I had a vast spectrum of a group of friends out there but mark was Mm -hmm. just the homie and he um he was killing it as a DJ. And I and we would all all of our friends would be like, I get to go with Mark and carry his records because whoever carried his records got to get into the club, no problem. It was always hard to get in the club. So I mm-hmm. be I became his uh selector Simon. I would be holding the records and helping him select <laughs> the records, and I'd just be standing behind him, and it was just magical as fuck. It was the best. Yeah. Um Selector Simon. Yeah, I can't even describe it. But anyway, yeah, Mark's Mark just said he did your pod, and then uh I said, "Oh, okay, cool." And here we are. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He, I, I talked to him like a week after, and he said that you were, you were. I was, uh, he was like, "Yeah." So you know, Simon. He's like, "Yeah." He's like, he's watching football on my couch right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I stay at his house. Um, I'm coming back to New York to stay at his house again soon. Um, yeah, he's just the best. Look, Mark's just a fucking angel. And anyone who makes fun of Mark's British accent, I defend Mark <laughs> to the grave. He was raised in England. His whole family has British accents. He's not faking it like Madonna. That British accent that comes out is warranted and real. Sure, sure. He's alone. lived in New York for okay. so long, it's going to sound different than maybe if he had lived in London the whole time. That's right. But he came by it honestly. He came by Let it honestly. the record show. Yeah, he's an angel. <laughs> he is an angel. And I'm sorry if I have made fun of his accent in the past. It's okay. But but I do want to I want to talk about those those '90s modeling years because you kind of you had like the classic story of being you know plucked at an audition like oh you want to see me and you're just like you know you're there as the boyfriend or the friend or something like that and then you took off like during during those modeling years like what were some memorable like people you worked with designers like who was cool who sucked. You know, enough time has passed, right? Yeah, I basically, (laughs) instead of going to college, I moved off to Europe when I was 19, and I lived in Milan, 
uh, Paris and New York. And I would just skip around and, and do uh, runway shows was mostly what I did. So, which in the modeling world, doing a runway show is kind of the exciting live, mm -hmm. you know, version of like a play or a fucking like, you know, you're actually doing something, mm -hmm. you're walking in front of people live. And I remember like Madonna speaking It's a big of, show. Was, yeah, it's a big show. I was doing a Versace show and Madonna was in the front row. And I remember Madonna being in the front row in Florence, Italy. It was a Versace show in like 94. And I remember afterwards, we all went to the Versace mansion and there's like butlers with trays of cocaine on a mirror walking around with beautiful people and Oof. models and designers. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm in the fucking Versace mansion um, and I'm watching people just do coke on a trip. Like, what? This is real? This is real. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I remember having that moment of being like, oh my God, I'm really here. This is fucking insane. And then I guess for crazy stories, there's a really funny one. We used to do this thing called dancing for dollars where they, they would ask male models to come dance at these nightclubs in Italy. <laughs> and it would be sort of a money grab when, in between jobs. If you didn't have a lot of money, you could go make a few hundred lira. This is before the Euro. They were called lira and it was their currency. And you'd go make a few hundred lira. They put you on a train, put you in a hotel and you and all your model homies would go to a nightclub and you would be paid to be in the club. Right. Mm -hmm. So... <laughs> One night I go to Rimini, this town, like four hours from Milan and we're out drinking. I meet a nice, lovely lady. We go back to her place. I wake up and I fucking like, where am I? And I fucking like, I got to get out of here. And I remember she had a parrot in her cage that was squawking. And I'm like, I got to go. So I just leave. I didn't want to wake her up. I leave. I walk outside and there's just train tracks. This is before cell phones. So you didn't know you couldn't call nobody. And I remember just looking both directions on these train tracks in the middle of nowhere in Italy. I'm like, well, I guess I'll go this way. And I just start walking down the train tracks, finally figure out somehow where I was staying, find my friends, go back to Milan, come back like a week or two later to the same place. And this fucking girl sees me in the club. It was the girl I had gone home with. And she runs up to me and she breaks a bottle and she slices her palm open and holds it up to me and starts crying and yelling at me in Italian as her hand is bleeding that she cut herself and she's crying and screaming. And then the security guard goes, Hey man, uh, you know what she's saying that you guys like went home together. I was like, yeah, he goes, this isn't America. You know, you, you don't just like hook up with a girl. Like she wants to be your girlfriend. <laughs> and I go thinking like, no, but I'm from America. I thought we were just having a good time. You're like, no dude, she's pissed. You better get out of here. Like she's going to call her cousins or something. Mm -hmm. And, I had to hide in the bushes out front of the nightclub for all my friends because I thought I was going to get whacked by the mob because I had like hooked up with some girl in Italy just thinking that was cool. And I guess that's not part of their culture. Mm. And I was just like the asshole American. She fucking sliced her hand open, dude. It's hard because it's kind of hot, but it is also frightening. You know, you don't want to lose your life. Very possessive. How Long Gone is brought to you by our dear friends at BetterHelp, Jason. BetterHelp. You know, summer travel season is coming up. Luckily, my BetterHelp therapist also fancies themselves a bit of a travel agent. So for maybe the first half of our sweet sessions, we were spent off, obviously off clock going through, you know, hotels, ferries, car rentals, restaurant recommendations. It's as if I have two wives. I have two wives inside of me and uh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. So uh, it, it is a fun way to find and connect different therapists. You get one that you really like. You guys are gossiping. You guys are chit chatting. You guys are talking about your personal interests. Next thing you know, 
it's time to actually do the work. So it feels good building those uh, mental health relationships with people you actually like. And on BetterHelp, there are so many different therapists to choose from. I don't like anyone. If you're thinking of starting <laughs> therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash how long today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash how long. Nice. Career World is a new cookbook written by Dookie Hong and friend of the show, Matt Rodbard, the New York Times best-selling authors of the book Koreatown. Korea World is a vibrant exploration of the evolution of Korean cuisine, both in Korea and in Korea towns across the United States with more than 75 bold, flavor-packed recipes and stunning photography. The authors take an inside look at the exciting evolution of Korean food through stories of chefs, home cooks, as well as recipes that are shaping modern Korean cuisine. The book begins in Seoul, where the barbecue scene is pushing into new territory and where the city's third wave coffee culture is exploding. The tour continues with late-night food adventures in Los Angeles, my hometown, and stops into the kitchens of innovative chefs from New York City to Portland, who are putting modern spins on korean classics recipes include giant short ribs whole fried smash rockfish and pineapple kimchi fried rice i'm sad i didn't get to name the foods and you did <laughs> korea world is essential reading for anyone curious about the future of food available wherever books are sold <laughs> well well speaking of um the the runway shows being like it's live it's exciting it's crazy it's a big show you also come from that background of doing live TV after that, like on MTV. Do you miss that feeling of doing live things now that you're doing everything is, you know, edited and cleaned up and post? Well, there's definitely an element of live that's exciting and fun. But nowadays, you got to be so careful because you could get canceled. For, like, for instance, that story that I just told. I don't yeah. like think and I just talk and sometimes that could get you into trouble. I don't think that story is that bad, but you could find somebody who's like, oh, he said this about this. So now I think mm -hmm. that's scarier because people are out to get you. And now I might have a little bit of a target on my back. I don't know. Like I, I know I don't do people wrong and whatever, but you just got to be careful because people will look for a reason to fuck you over. And I yeah. think that, uh, so now live is scarier than ever before. It used to not be scary. It was just <laughs> yeah. exciting and fun and oops, I said shit huh, on live TV or whatever. <laughs> but now it's more like, Oh, I just said something I shouldn't have said that could be taken the wrong way, you know? Right. My, now my family is in danger or something. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. When you, when you said shit at the MTV beach house, everybody kind of let that rock. <laughs> That's right. That was, that was a fun time. It was, did the beach house. So yeah, I was at MTV 96, 97. And then I interviewed Tupac not too long before he passed away. I think I was the last person to interview him at MTV, and that was live. And I'll never forget. I probably if I told you guys this story before, stop me. But um, I I was working at, in LA at some event at a pool hall, and we finished. And I smoke a blunt with my producer at MTV. He was my boss, and we're smoking a blunt together. That's how long ago this was. I guess people still smoke blunts, but at the time, this was like the new thing: smoking a blunt. <laughs> And I was smoking a blunt <laughs> after I'm done. And then all of a sudden they go, holy shit, Simon, Tupac's here. You got to interview him. I go, I'm too high. And they go, don't worry, he is too. <laughs> and they just 
fucking put the camera on me, the red lights on, and I'm interviewing Tupac and it's on YouTube. You could see how stoned I am and how uncomfortable I am. It's so cringy. I don't even know what to say. I'm just like, Hey, so you're friends with Snoop Dogg, huh? I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, it was awful, but I got to interview fucking Tupac. And I remember when he walked in the room, I was stoned, but remember when he walked in the room thinking, this dude's got more charisma. Like, you felt his presence. It was so wild. Like, I meet a lot of actors and musicians and athletes, and a lot of times you meet these people, and you're like, oh, I'm kind of underwhelmed. Like, they don't quite have the magic mm -hmm. that I thought, but mm -hmm. I've never met anyone more than Tupac who lit up a room, who walked in a room, and it was like, I can't even explain it. He just had the thing, you know? He had that quality. You're right. I think that I, I'm also underwhelmed. I'm probably not meeting the same level of people you are, but it's often like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess <laughs> I guess this is it then. Yeah, we're, we have a defi uh, deficiency of charisma going on. Yeah, kind of charisma. I always talk about this, like who had the mm -hmm. most charisma? Like Eddie Murphy in his prime, charisma jumping off the screen, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, not just good actor, not just funny, but who had charisma, Charisma is an interesting thing because it's not a learned behavior or a, a quality. I think you either got it or you don't. I don't know if it's nature or nurture, but some people just have the thing, you know? Yeah, like a Rodney Dangerfield really reminds yeah. me of the charisma where, it, you know, he could do whatever he wants being an ugly, weird guy, but he's got the sauce, man, and that's it's undeniable. He's got the fucking sauce, baby. Maybe like a Andy Milanakis. Andy got the sauce. Andy got the sauce. <laughs> um, I, I do want to talk about the Sweet East now that we're able to talk about those things legally yeah so it's a new film that you're in is it is it a24 no it's not it's a utopia utopia okay okay yeah utopia um so yeah this movie's amazing so when i was in i just sound like such a pretentious asshole but i'm just saying what it is okay uh i was in can and it is pronounced can not con i learned this it's pronounced can. <laughs> on your fifth on your fifth noted on your 15th trip you finally learned what how to pronounce it well no i mean i'd never gone to can before that that movie i did red rocket a couple years ago was the first time i'd ever been to mm -hmm. can and i was joked around oh, oh. because in hollywood you know, that's a very, very rare thing to get to go to Cannes with a movie, right? And so mm -hmm. I always would joke around and people would be like, yeah, you working on anything? I'd say, yeah, I got this one movie, but it's going to Cannes. Garbage can because like <laughs> the movie would never come out or it go straight to DVD or straight to VOD. That's good stuff, Rex. So I always joke around and be like, yeah, it's going to Cannes. Yeah, going to garbage can. That was my dumb joke. Well, then finally, I went to Cannes and uh, I was you know, beating everyone can, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, the director of the Sweet East, Sean Price Williams, mm -hmm. who, who happened to be in Cannes also, uh, was like, I want to meet Simon. So the producer of Red Rocket introduces us. He's like, hey, man, I'm a Dirt Nasty fan, which is crazy to me. And uh, <laughs> he's like, you and Andy Melanakis and Riff Raff and Three Loco and all, you know, all your shit. I love it. Damn. So I was like, cool. And he's like, I want to put you in this movie. So I was like, dude, of course. I, I knew who he was because he's the, the cinematographer for a lot of movies that I loved, like Good Time. You ever mm -hmm. see Good Time, the Safdie Bros mm -hmm. movie? Sure, sure. He shot that. So this dude is just like the dopest, like, cinematographer. And I just knew he would be a good director. I just felt it. So anyway, I met him in Canada, and the next thing you know, we're shooting a movie like six months later in New York, and uh, I, I fucking was like, you never know what's going to happen. So I do the movie, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Um, 
I get to play a, a, a Nazi sympathizer and a white supremacist who's a professor at a university. I'm like, this is fun. And I get to say some very offensive words that would get you canceled in the movie, which is fun. And uh, I, it's shot on film, which is fun. Like, it's very rare to get to shoot on film. It just looks sexy. Yeah. It's kind of like how music snobs will be like, no vinyl sound. Shooting in, <laughs> shooting in New York on film seems all yeah. costly all of it seems expensive it, it is and this but this was rogue as fuck this was like a super low budget indie we were shooting like kind of sketchy like not fully uh you know we were kind of running and gunning same with red rocket i prefer to shoot those kind of movies where you're sort of you know <laughs> maybe shooting some places you shouldn't be here and there i i love that kind of shit i think it just adds the element of danger and it's fun and mm -hmm. you feel like you're gonna get in trouble i love that shit um so, yes, but yes, that was very rare to get to shoot in New York on film. And the movie's basically sort of like a Alice in Wonderland about this girl played by Talia Ryder, who's probably going to blow the fuck up after this movie because she's amazing in it. And it's like her wandering through these different sort of cultures in America that are really problematic. And uh, she's just sort of this beautiful young girl walking through these sick parts of the country and finding these really weird people and it's fucking amazing i love it yeah it's it seems very absurd because i watched the trailer and it, it i all i could think about was like i really want to see this movie and i have no clue what it's about like by the time you see the end of the trailer <laughs> yeah you you've learned less about the film than just reading the title <laughs> of it in text you know what i mean yeah but but in in an amazing way and all i think it helps because it looks so beautiful but it seems like the kind of movie where I just want to, you know, hit the blunt or the edible and just see, you know, you and Jeremy O'Harris and Jacob Elordi and Andy Milanakis, you know, the gang's getting back together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we gang. got the posse yeah. back together. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so sick. I never met Jake. Oh, no, that's not true. So I, I shot separate from Jacob, but, you know, he's great in the movie. I've seen it a couple times now. He's great. I never got to work with him exactly uh, in person, but I met him at a Vanity Fair party, and he was a cool dude, and uh, he's obviously doing his thing. And, yeah, it's got a sexy little cast, and it's, you know, Jeremy O'Harris is a legend, and yeah. it's just, got very, you know, it's cool just working with the New York, sort of like the real New York filmmakers and like the art scene it's just so much cooler than anything in la because it's got some substance and people are all working on something to be a part of something special not just to be famous or get you know it's really about the sounds corny but they're about the craft mm. everybody from like the makeup person to the they're really about it and yeah. i love being in that environment because uh that's just the best shit you know that is the best shit what is it you know, we we talk a lot about this on the show, but like the dealing with the ups and downs of this career choice, like w what have you learned over over the years uh, of being able to kind of get through the mud? It's a good question. I you know, you got to have a good head on your shoulders and not take shit personal <laughs> because this business is the fuck. I wouldn't recommend to my worst <laughs> enemy like, "Hey, go to go to LA and try to make it in show business." Like that's like saying, "Go to Vegas, you're going to hit the jackpot." It's like the number, the math is against you. <laughs> it's not a fair business it's not always based on talent it's a lot of like who you know right place right time mm -hmm. you know in my experience i've had a lot of peaks and a lot of valleys and you got to be able to handle those valleys and that's the hard part mm -hmm. when you're working it's all good when you're not working no your phone ain't ringing no one wants to be around you you ain't doing these kind of podcasts you know, and it's sort of a sad desperation that you see when you get older. Like, that's what I was experiencing. Like, I hit 40 and I'm in L.A. and I'm just like, OK, I'm, I'm that guy now. Like, I'm in L.A. and <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's kind of it just 
and it's all ego shit, but you're kind of like cringing at the fact that you're just hanging on to a dream by a thread. And luckily for men, this isn't necessarily fair, but mm -hmm. for men, you could just be getting started in your forties. Look at Rodney Dangerfield. He actually didn't start till he was like 57. Really? He come back from being an aluminum siding in New Jersey and start. So, so for Jack mm -hmm. Nicholson, easy rider, he was already going bald. <laughs> yeah. So for men, you could just be getting your stride in your forties. And that's what happened to me. Like I did all this shit when I was in my twenties. I turned my back on Hollywood and became dirt nasty for many years. I was like, fuck Hollywood. I don't give a fuck about this lame actor shit. I'm going to be a dirty rapper. And then after several years of that, I go, wait a minute. I shouldn't have done this. I'm about to be 40. I can't rap until I'm 50, but I could have been acting until I'm 80. Um, luckily, Sean Baker called after I was wiping my hands clean of all of it. And I was just out in Joshua Tree where I'm now just kind of like, all right, let's see what comes up next. I would... I, dead ass i was like i'll do construction out here and be happier than i will be in la trying to get an audition you know like fuck and sean baker called and gave me an audition for red rocket and i got it and here we are i mean that is a beautiful that's a beautiful tale but the dirt nasty chapter jason is obviously more aware of than me but that is a i imagine you were making a little less money or are we wrong to assume that no you're right i was <laughs> I was making less money and I was but it, you know I was making less money but I was making enough to be able to eat sushi and travel and pay my rent and, you know so I was like okay this is cool um that's all you really need but I created a monster like the persona of so for listeners that don't know I created this persona with a guy named Mickey Avalon who is a big rapper in LA still is uh but we had a really big moment in the mid 2000s with kind of like with LMFAO and Kesha and we were sort of this white boy party rap music in LA and you know, we're touring with the Chili Peppers and working with Too Short and working with, you know, all these big musicians and Kid Rock and <laughs> Katy Perry and everybody. Like, we're working with everybody. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, this is way more fun than acting. This is the best. I could say whatever I want. I could wear whatever I want. I tour the world. It's amazing. And my acting agents would be calling me going, Simon, where are you? We have an audition. I'm like, I'm in Poland with the Chili Peppers. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, I'm on tour with the Chili Peppers. They're like, doing what? I'm like, I do this music thing. And they're like, oh, all right. Well, <laughs> I guess you don't want to act anymore. So they stopped calling me. And then I was like, oh, this is the fucking best. Fuck Hollywood. And then, it, like I said before, there came a point where I kind of realized, uh-oh, I probably should have not abandoned Hollywood. But in a weird <laughs> way, it couldn't have happened any other way. Had I not turned my back and become dirt nasty and left Hollywood behind, Sean Baker never would have hired me. He hired mm -hmm. me because he wanted to sh do weird out-of-the-box casting and not hire the big actor because he wanted to do a comeback thing. with. You know what I mean? Like he wanted to do something mm -hmm. different. So had I not done it, it, it was all kind of already written. I don't know if I believe that, but if it was, th that was the narrative was this is how it was going to happen. Dirt nasty needed to happen. Mm -hmm. to get us here it did it's beautiful it did it is beautiful okay so do you have you ever have you ever written a movie of your own i have i wrote you a got couple. anything in the can i did i wrote a movie years ago with a buddy of mine um for paris hilton and she we never <laughs> made it but we wrote a whole script together i've written a tv show with a couple friends um i've so i've written a few things um and i tried directing once but you know 
I, I definitely have ideas, but right now, for sure, I'm just getting all these amazing opportunities to work with cool filmmakers and writers that mm -hmm. I'm just going to ride this wave of working with some of the best writers and directors. And eventually, I see down the line, like, I'll probably get into a little more of the creative stuff. But right now, I'm just, like, have this window of, like, oh, so-and-so wants to work with you. They wrote this and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. Like, I just did a movie with the guy who wrote I, Tanya, which is one of the best movies. Oh, yeah. In a long time you know that's what i'm gonna do so that kind of shit you know? i mean look that's the best position to be in when you're fielding the offers you know what i mean that's the best that's the best possible position to be in yeah but i think what is the schedule look like because I, I know that this is how it works once you kind of get on a little run it's like your book right. two years out almost because these some of these things take longer than others or is it not that extreme it's not quite two years but that could be the case well so for instance like this strike just ended i had a few movies that i was meant to shoot and would be shooting in the new year and now the scheduling of those movies because of the strike is a little wonky and now they got to scramble and be like okay we need mm -hmm. this location but this actor can't do it because now he's doing another movie in europe and blah blah. blah. so they got to put it all together mm -hmm. so like i was meant to do four movies and i'll probably end up being able to do two of the four because everything's bottlenecked and we'll now start shooting in the new year so you know i what my schedule looks like is i probably will knock out these two movies by may and then who knows what's after that so it's usually about a six months ahead you'll know your schedule and that's usually about it but everything's a little wonky right now um yeah because and but yeah, I got some really cool shit that I'm going to bite my lip and not talk about because if it doesn't happen, I'm an asshole. But I got a couple of really cool projects. <laughs> See these boys? Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> For the listeners at home, he's showing us, he's showing the scripts. Yeah, he's showing yeah. us the scripts. They, they, yep. so just to prove they exist. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're, they're real. <laughs> and, uh, but I, I'm so jaded in this business that until I'm on set, like I've said this before, oh, until you're on set shooting, don't talk about it because it may not happen even after that you don't want to talk about it until it comes out because you could be edited out you could be mm -hmm. replaced i mean you just keep up shut because anything can happen in this crazy business yeah baldwin could shoot someone and the whole thing tanks <laughs> it has nothing to do with you there's a lot that can go wrong that shit was so crazy <laughs> <laughs> holy shit really really was i mean i think that the craziest part to me was that like <laughs> regular people were getting into the minutiae of like what people's jobs are on set and shit and like who's responsible for that. And I'm like, you have no idea. You guys have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Like I, neither do I wish everybody <laughs> had that uh, attitude and re you know, humble reality about everything. Cause everybody doesn't shut up about shit. They don't know about. And it's very hard to deal with. Uh, everybody thinks they know it's just like so fucking annoying i agree with you I, we don't like just, i don't know i don't know shit how about that <laughs> better to have that attitude how about that yeah. i don't know shit how about that no i mean yeah <laughs> what is the what is the difference or the the kind of for you the difference between movies and tv like because because you've lived you've been around long enough where tv used to not be the thing movies were the thing and now it's kind of reversed yeah. almost so you've seen both sides of it i feel like yeah yeah that's a good question because it used to be i remember 20 years ago like a film actor would never do tv right like if you were working in film tv was below you and then that started to change when netflix came out and 
certain shows were using A-list actors on TV and you're like, oh, this is interesting. And slowly but surely, like TV started to eclipse film as far as quality actors writing. It was like, whoa, HBO's doing like, fuck, uh, how am I watching this? fucking true detective what is this how is this matthew mcconaughey my favorite actor now what's going on and that all kind of happened <laughs> mm -hmm. and that's when the kind of shifted and i think now it's sort of evening out a bit but you could argue that television has as good if not better than a lot of movies you could be watch something on a netflix or hbo or whatever and it's as good a quality as most good films. So it's all sort of becoming one now more than ever. Like actors or, you know, you could go do a hosting thing and you could do it. Everyone's doing everything now, which I guess is a good thing. It doesn't need to be like no one's above anything. So I feel like mm -hmm. it's wide open. Um, I personally am like kind of what we were talking about before. Like I have this amazing little moment where I'm getting to choose or getting these great offers and getting to work with really cool filmmakers that I'm really taking advantage of doing cool movies. And then I'd love to maybe like get on a TV show in a couple of years after doing like a whole bunch of cool movies. And then just be like, all right, I just want to stay in LA or New York for six months and work on one thing. That would be awesome. But it has to be the right. Thing. Cause that's the main appeal is like, a, it's steady. That, mm -hmm. That's a big part of television, especially if it's like a network show or something that's kind of, kind of have a long run. That's right. That's a good gig to have. Um, and that's where you make some good money. And if, you know, if you're getting your own TV show or that's, that's a big deal. Uh, uh, and look, they're starting to do some really dope shit, I think, like, or they have been. Um, so, and also like you people now, you know, you could pitch your own and create your own show. I got this one producer that wants to do a TV show with me. He's like, think of something. We'll pitch it. I'll get the team. We'll fucking write it, you know, get a writer. Da, da, da. So I've been like exploring ideas to do a show one day. It's just not time right now. Do you think that now that the, the TV world is, is evening out with the film world, we're going to start seeing holding deals come back again? Dude, those were the or best. those days gone forever? How do you know about that? <laughs> Nobody, yeah, I remember I had one of those for the WB network. They gave me a fucking holding deal to not work for other networks. For the listeners that don't know, holding deals when a network gives you X amount of money and says, okay, you're our property for one year. You can't work for other networks. I hope they bring those back because they gave me a holding deal. And then for like a year, never used it. So they just paid me for nothing. Yeah, I, I only know about them because like listening to other podcasts, like comedians would talk about like as soon as Seinfeld blew up, every shitty comedian in the world got a half a million dollar check from every network just to like, just in case something's going to happen and you would just sit on your ass and dick around for a year and be rich as fuck it, that was i remember i was sort of well i wasn't around that long ago for seinfeld but i was in la i did move to la in like 98 so i remember i was shooting a sitcom next to the friends lot and i'd see the friends every day the friends cast would pull in, in a different car <laughs> they'd have a porsche one day a ferrari the next day a rolls royce the next day and i'm like how come they're parked and you'd see their names on the parking spot and they had a different fucking uh, every day they'd have a different fucking amazing car and i was like damn they're caking and someone's like yeah they're making a million dollars per episode the cast this is when it was already the biggest show in the world so i was like next door to the friends lot watching it going okay that's a good gig and and <laughs> to be honest like a sitcom which doesn't really exist anymore like sitcoms yeah short for situational comedy uh those don't really exist anymore uh they were the best gig in town because you rehearse all week in your pajamas and then friday night you shoot it in front of a live studio audience. So talking about the live thing you asked about earlier, mm -hmm. you get the element of live, which is exciting. But if you forget a line, cut, 
and you do it again and it's not going to ruin the show you know yeah and in in fact when you forget a line the audience probably likes it and they're laughing because you're having a human moment and it's you could do no wrong in front of them you know that's exactly right and they would crack up and then it would be kind of weird because you you i would do that all the time i'd just be stoned forgetting my lines <laughs> and they'd be like the whole audience of people from the midwest that's in town to see it show take me they just oh my god he forgot his line just, this is just insane. <laughs> that's simon um, he's a crazy guy but it's a good gig it's a good gig yeah. it's a good gig maybe i'll bring the sitcom back maybe yeah. i'll bring a sitcom back maybe i'll bring a sitcom back is that possible if am i have enough power to do that i don't think so do you still know anybody at the WWWB? <laughs> yeah. Is it even still a thing? I don't think it still is, but I remember it. I think they even merged. And then UPN was a thing. And then I think WB and UPN merged and they were like one thing what a together. Time, man. When UPN and WB was on TV and ruling. Yeah, that was a good era. Um, so it's so interesting. Everything's changing so much for everybody in every field. And like, obviously Hollywood too. Like people aren't make like, it's funny. Like I, I, I have never worked more in my life and I've never made less money in my life. <laughs> there's just simply isn't the amount of money in Hollywood mm -hmm. as there used to be. And it unless you're doing like a Marvel or some huge thing, it's like either the movies Hollywood's making are $250 million Marvel movies or they're like $2 million indie movies. Mm -hmm. And most of the films that I've been doing, I ain't at a Marvel level. So I've been doing these cool little indies, but dude, they don't pay anything. Mm -hmm. I just want to do cool indies that are something I'm proud to say, hey, go see this movie, like Sweet East, like Red Rocket. I just produced my first movie ever that I'm executive producer of that's a really fucking hilarious comedy called operation taco gary's which uh <laughs> we just finished uh the edit on i'm so happy with it that'll be coming out whenever <clears throat> but i'm starting to get my producer hat on going back to what you were asking before about like writing i'm starting to produce some shit because i just know a lot of people i got resources i got ideas i want to start producing okay so you're so producing not in the not in like the physical sense of like locations and all you know paperwork but more seeing a vision and using your connections to bring it all together kind of thing absolutely right the cool way of producing it's absolutely right like helping out with rewrites helping cast uh I, what about this outfit like sort of just on set shit like that but yeah producer can mean so many things that's what's the funny about producer and there's like executive producer you know there's all these type of producers um so but yeah that's something i'm gonna start doing more is like uh yeah producing i started my own production company that'll be coming out crispy productions is coming out i was gonna ask it'd be weird if the production company didn't have a sick ass name like that you know? <laughs> crispy productions baby um because everything's super crispy so i just want to keep riding the crispy and then uh that makes sense Fuck yeah, it's so crazy, man. I don't know. How could you not? How could you not? I feel obnoxious talking about it. No, no, no. No, it's sick. You deserve it, bro. You've you've been out here, you've been working hard. I think I think you deserve all this stuff. And I think you have a lot of people who are, are all different ages, you know, twenties, thirties, forties, fifties and higher, who have who have been aware of you and are kind of rooting for you and gunning for you and you know, I don't, I don't, I feel like you don't have a lot of enemies. Even if people don't like you, they, they still like it, you know? That's cool, man. <laughs> That's cool to hear. Cause I, you know, I don't think I have any enemies. Like I've got, I got some friends who always say that I'll bring some up like, Oh, I hate them. I hate that guy. I'm like, I don't hate anybody. And maybe I don't know if anyone <laughs> hates me, but I can't even imagine like being like, I hate that person or fuck them. Like I got nobody that I in, in the world that I think that it's way. Funny you say, it's funny you say that. It's funny you say that Simon, because I am that guy. Mm. So I, I know that people, <laughs> definitely say that about me and i've had to come to terms with it that's cool 
Um, <laughs> that's fine. The, 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 I, I don't, I just don't have anyone that I care enough about to hate. Cause if you hate them, that means you care. I'm indifferent. I'm like, I don't care. I think that's the way to be. And that's actually what, like you ever have a girl be like, I hate you. That means they love you. If the girl's <laughs> ignoring you, that's what hurts. Mm, damn. Mm. <clears throat> Spoken like a true stick man. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Been down that road a couple times. Well, uh, speaking of, you were saying earlier, we uh, us as males in the biz were able to, you know, operate at a later age and be just fine, if not better. You know, you get that career boost later in life. But uh, you've also sort of been blessed with with boyish good looks, and you've been a good looking person your whole life. And you've also started a skincare line, or you've you've been a part of reimagining a skincare line. So uh, I, I want to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, I, I'd love. I'll send you guys some too. I should have. I, w- I should have gotten it to you before, so we you could have been talking about it from a, a point <laughs> of view of looking it. at it in person. But I'll get you guys some. Yeah, basically, what I did was I started getting a lot of these uh, offers recently to do like a tequila sponsorship or a vape sponsorship, and I was <laughs> like, you know, I'm sort of doing this thing where I'm reinventing, sort of cleaning up my image and not doing the dirt nasty thing, and you know, fucking get drunk and get fucked up. Like I did that for so long that it's just kind of corny to me now. I, yeah, I, it's not like oh, I've evolved and I'm above that. It's more like I kind of have a conscience about like I I did it to the fucking millionth degree of the yeah get drunk you know fucking party <laughs> did, did and it just like got really played out so i'm like let me course correct and actually do shit that's positive now mind you this is very shallow and vain i'm talking about your face and using like moisturizer and you know all the shit but but at least it's in the like the wellness space and it's positive and it's somewhat yeah. you know in the healthier direction than like getting drunk and smoking so i wanted to do something in that world so when i met with the company i was like oh i like these guys they're super cool let me do the product for a while and i started using the product and i fucking loved it and everyone i know that i gave it to loved it i'm like all right this is it i'm gonna do a men's skincare line and normalize for men that it's okay to fucking wash your face and use moisturizer and stop using your girlfriend's shit all the time because they get annoyed when you use their fancy mm. moisturizer Mm-mm-mm. and it's really just high-end shit and it's basically just for guys you know it's just rebranded towards men that it's okay to you know take care of your skin and you know first impressions are important the, you want to look good on a date bah, bah, bah. <laughs> girls like hygiene we got to clean it up a little bit so i'm here to help the guys clean up a little bit okay when when you were younger like in your 20s did you have that skincare flow going or is this something that came a little later in life yeah i don't think i did when i was younger because i just was a garbage can and i would just party on the night and go to work hungover if i slept at all and be just fine then you hit 30 mm-hmm. you know mid 30s and that that don't happen anymore so you need to start sleeping (laughs) and drinking water and eating healthier and not getting fucked up all the time and you know slowly but surely as you get older you need to like take care of yourself more so that's just kind of my experience that's where i'm at it's like i want to take care of my shit and just like tighten up my shit a little bit and not saying i'm sober i still want to go out and get fucked up once in a while but just like Mm -hmm. you know picking those battles a little more wisely and just taking care of my shit yeah it's just that's just where i'm at so it's just it's it's honest it's like real to me so it's not like i'm faking something like that's really how i feel so when you when you do have like on a normal day-to-day basis you're you're out in joshua tree you're hanging out maybe you'll smoke a little doobie or something like that but you're not drinking all the time but when you do have that that night where you're like i gotta go out and kind of get a little 
get a little hammy going. Do you, what? What do you do? You go to L.A. Do you call up the bros? Are we hitting Nobu? Are we going to the club? Vegas? What's the move? Yeah, not Vegas. I really don't like Vegas, and Nobu's too expensive. And <laughs> I go to. I usually will just drink some tequila. I'm but a you're really, a sushi guy, right? You're a sushi. I lover. like sushi. Yeah, yeah. I just don't want to spend Nobu. Nobu's a little insane, but I'll go there once in a while. Um, yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm a tequila guy. Tequila is my favorite. I love me some tequila. It's the alcohol that makes me sort of I feel, at least in my mind i'm not like if i drink some alcohol i get just dark and it makes me just like angry or i just get tired and i'm just like oh this doesn't work but tequila for whatever reason is my is my go-go juice and i just have a good time mm-hmm. and i uh you know i guess house parties like in la the nightlife is real bad there's not really like much to do in la i don't really go i yeah. can't go to clubs at this age i'm 49 i have the body of a 48 year old but i'm mm-hmm. 49 and i can't do clubs anymore little fashion party house party is is the way to do it nowadays yeah it's it's a bummer because the la club world was a special zone for so long man carrying records for am instead of where on that's right i i just like the magic like look i just did it like there's no like it's it's one of those things where if i'm standing in the club i'm embarrassed to even be there at my age like i don't want to be up in the club like that's just kind of feels i don't know like i don't know the music that's playing everyone's half my age yeah I don't want to yell over the music. I just feel old. I'm like, it's too loud in here. What song is this? I don't, who is this rapper? They're horrible. Like, that's, that's, I'm that guy now. Yeah, we're all we're all that guy Not now. Fun. We're all that guy now. We're all just listening to Andre 3000's flute music at home. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to go out to hear the flutes, dude. I just got the album. I had to check it out. It's flutey. I'll give him that. It's definitely Doug Flutie. <laughs> Not Doug. Doug Flutie. It's uh. It's, it's flutie. It is Doug Flutie. <laughs> that is definitely what it is. I listened to it this morning. I wasn't. Oh, I'm not mad at it. I don't know what that says about me, though. I'm not mad at it either. I'm not gonna. Feel, I'm indifferent towards it. I'm not gonna get mad at it. But mm-hmm. I, uh, it's flutie. It's tootie. It's fruity and it's fruity tootie and it's flutie. And I'm here for it. Before before <laughs> we go here, are you trying to settle down or are you happy? Kind of going solo in this thing we called life so yeah i mean if i've met a cool chick that could handle my lifestyle and me being gone all the time i'm down that's the hard part is meeting a girl who here's the conundrum i'm in i haven't dated an actress in 20 plus years because i always joke and say you can't have two psycho narcissistic maniacs waiting for the phone to ring for a job i like a girl with a regular job right Mm -hmm. i like a girl that goes to work and isn't like you can't have two headshots in a relationship you know what i mean (laughs) but you can (laughs) you can't some people pull it off and i I think i need to stop limiting myself and even just by saying that out loud like i need to stop thinking that way because let's be honest there's some cool actresses out there there's some cool actresses out there in my experience i never feel like i'm one of them like when i'm with actors on a movie set or i'm at these events i'm like i have imposter syndrome i'm like i'm not one of these people i'm not a fucking actor meanwhile i'm acting and i'm in these movies and all this shit's happening (laughs) but i'm like but i don't feel like i'm one of them i'm not um and that's Mm -hmm. probably just my insecurity so i always tend to you know date women that are have real job not that acting isn't a real job but you get what i'm saying <laughs> sure yeah yeah, yeah. You, yeah i like that you, you you're looking for a ceo swag that's what you're more interested in oh that would be cool <laughs> yeah yeah ceo swag would be sick so i gotta find a girl who um is down with my flow and my schedule and you know sometimes you date people who aren't in the business and they don't understand when you go off to work with some beautiful woman for two months and they're like well do you have scenes kissing you're like yeah but it's not real so there's the conundrum is that mm-hmm. 
you, the women who would understand it are other actors, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe just putting it out there into the universe, maybe there's a cool actress out there, but the, you know, it, it's just like, whatever happens, happens, man. I'm just like truly yeah. focused on just my work and my flow. And if, if anything pops up on the way, amazing. If not, I'll chill alone in the desert. Damn. It's all good. He's got it figured out. All right. That's the way to you, do it. Thank you, that's Simon. Right, baby. Thank you for joining us. It was a pleasure. Dude, that went by so quick. That, that's how it goes at How Long Gone, baby. We, we get in and we get out. Uh, does How Long Gone a reference to your dick or is that? <laughs> no. In some a, ways. It's a reference to, uh, it's a Brooks and Dunn song. It was more of a reference to COVID. Ah. Um. When when we but now now that you say that I guess yeah I guess we should think about our dicks more. Some of our audience leans a little dickier. Okay. <laughs> they're they're more because sometimes we'll have like a you know some merch or like a shirt that'll say just like how long on it. Oh, sick. And you know some people like that more than okay, others. Okay. Well, maybe mm -hmm. how about this double we'll entendre? A, we'll trade a box of mocks, my skincare line mocks. We'll give you guys a box of mocks. You give me a how long is your dick shirt? Okay. <laughs> deal. Yeah. We'll make sure to get you a how long is your dick. I'll shirt. start the paperwork up this afternoon. Oh <laughs> man. Good deal, Simon. Thank you. Lawyer. Well, thank you guys for your time and uh, thank you for understanding that I'm in my car. I appreciate the understanding, open-mindedness of you two lovely young men. We love it, brother. Of course. No, it's our pleasure. Thank you, and um, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Simon. Later. Yeah, Later. no worries. Later.